0: So for today's episode of the podcast, you will be hearing a recording of the Project Voice panel that Andy Bellavia and I participated on, titled The Emergence of Hearables, which was moderated by Bradley Metrock.
1: We're going to go ahead and get started, uh, so we're not the ones running behind. Um, My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm producer of Project Voice. I do a lot of other things. This panel that you are in now um, is all about hearables. And... Figure a good place to start would be asking the question what is a hearable? <laughs> but even before that, we'll have these two gentlemen introduce themselves. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. Okay.
0: Thank you, Bradley. Um, so, my name is David Kemp. I am with Oak Tree Products. Uh, we are a supplier of clinical supplies and assistive listening devices to the hearing healthcare professional. So, really, anybody that fits hearing aids, um, those are our customers. In addition, I also uh, run the website Future Ear, um, where I write uh, frequent blog posts. I have a podcast um, that covers the intersection of voice technology and hearables. So that's who I am.
2: I'm Andy Bellavia with Knowles Corp. Our company makes small microphones and speakers, originally for hearing aids, uh, later for uh, mobile phones, then smart speakers, other voice-enabled IoT devices, and hearable devices. And my own responsibility is all in-ear devices other than actually uh, regulated hearing aids.
1: So Andy, you can hold the mic. Yeah, you just hold on. Hold on to that. So, first question: What are hearables? What, we know what a hearing aid is. What's a what's a hearable, and what are the dif- what's the difference?
2: Well, if I follow the description that Nick Hun, who invented the term hearable in the first place, it's essentially an intelligent ear-worn device. In that respect, hearing aids are the original hearable devices, programmable hearing aids. And later, of course, you have an entire class of consumer ear-worn devices that are also intelligent. Now, hearing aids and hearables are in a lot of ways merging together. They'll always be different because there'll always be a need for a medically regulated hearing aid. Uh, if you're a severely hearing impaired person, you're getting amplification levels that, are, that could be dangerous when put in the hands of somebody with normal hearing and used incorrectly. So you'll always have that regulatory aspect to a hearing aid. However, if you're talking about mild hearing loss, uh, then you know, some simple amplification and some directional microphones can really solve the problem that people with mild hearing loss have, which is loud restaurants and pubs and the like. Those are also the people who tend not to get regulated medical hearing aids. So th- in terms of uh, hearing enhancement, it really opens up the ability for more people to affordably get hearing care when their hearing loss is milder. And that's really good considering uh, all of the other comorbidities that are being found to correlate with hearing loss, like social isolation, depression, and uh, even... Uh, uh, even um, um,
0: Dementia. Dementia, thank you.
2: I couldn't come up with the word dementia. But hearables also uh, are doing a lot of other things today. Uh, the biggest one, I think, is voice enablement because now as hands-free voice is possible in a hearable device, mm-hmm. it opens a lot of new avenues, especially for accessibility. If you are, for example, mobility impaired or dexterity, or dexterity impaired in any way, Uh, Then with a mobile phone and a voice-enabled hearable device, you can be anywhere out on the street What have you you can use the internet you can send messages uh, You can get net voice navigation all without having to tap on the screen And you also have a number of functions, too You have noise cancellation, which serves the purpose of protecting your hearing in the first place and uh, also Uh, biometric uh, you know capability with heart rate sensing and now you see even blood pressure coming to ear-worn devices those things are starting to flow into hearing aids as well for example the ones I wear are Bluetooth connected and I talk to Google assistant through them all the time so the two categories are actually merging even if one of them will always remain regulated and the other one not
1: cool thank you for that so Dave question for you Um, and Andy was delving into it uh, a little bit. So knowing what a hearable is, we're here learning about voice. So how do these two worlds intersect? How does the the emergence of voice technology supplement and support and help grow hearables? So,
0: there we go. Uh, I think the,
1: you know, at this last CES,
0: um, there were a couple really big developments. And I think if you look at hearables uh, across the last few years, a lot of what's been happening is sort of like the underlying technology is maturing to facilitate a lot of the really cool things that we're just now starting to see. So this year at CES, the Bluetooth Special Interest Group, which is chaired by Nikon, the one that um, termed hearables, Uh, He made a, he wrote a blog post and he, um, you know, issuing this new Bluetooth protocol, Bluetooth LE Audio, low energy audio. It's actually a Bluetooth protocol that hearing aids have been using for a while and the reason these are so important, uh, these types of Bluetooth protocols and advancements is that when you're talking about a really small device, you only have so much room that you can allocate for the battery. The battery isn't really what's being innovated on, it's the actual processors and it's the way in which you preserve and extract that battery and so when we start to see these new Bluetooth protocols rolled out they introduce power saving uh, capabilities but they also introduce just like entirely new ways that uh, the devices can interact and the software within the devices can interact and so a really good example of that is the ability that uh, without any interruption into your media that you're streaming, so say you're working out, you're running, whatever it might be, you're listening to music, you can now have a voice assistant, for example, um, be overlaid and almost in a separate channel communicating to you. So you could have, um, you know, that voice assistant it's uh, you know in some way tethered to the biometric data that's affiliated with the you know the hearable that you're wearing or your Apple Watch or something like that, and it's actually giving you updates as you go. So it's saying um, you know without interrupting you, it's like reading out blood oxidation levels or um, you know heart rate variability, all these different metrics that cannot be captured. Uh, you saw the partnership recently where um, you can pay at the pump. You know, with ExxonMobil and Amazon now just using Alexa, you know, if you kind of follow that trajectory out, you can imagine a scenario where you're kind of slowly paying for more and more things with Alexa. If you have a hearable device in, you would be able, using this new Bluetooth protocol, um, you would be able to constantly transact purchases without ever having to interrupt your media. So, again, these seem like small, sort of incremental things, but they're the types of things that they become a reoccurring type thing, and it would get kind of annoying if you constantly were having to interrupt the things that you're doing in order to uh, perform certain functions. So the underlying technology um, is maturing, and I think that's kind of been the case both with the hardware, and now we're starting to see with some of the different like wireless technology that is ultimately gonna facilitate um, the ability to sort of seamlessly interact with voice assistance and voice te- technology in general, um, but, but maintaining the high, uh, customer satisfaction levels of experience that they've had.
1: Cool. So, Andy, Dave was just talking about conversational commerce being one of the, like a trend that is manifesting itself in hearables. What's maybe another trend or two that either out of CES or before that you and Knowles are keeping an eye eye on in terms of hearables and voice heading into 2020? Yeah, the biggest
2: problem with hearables today is the battery life. Kind of five hours is more or less standard. It's not long enough for ubiquitous wear throughout your day, but we've been working on lower power speakers and lower power microphones to increase the battery life of the devices and the people making the chipsets for hearables are also doing the same. And now you have the new bluetooth standard which will also be lower power because we're very bullish on ubiquitous voice and you can see it already like these these hearing aids here they get an easy 18 hours before they need recharging i mean they're meant to be worn all day it's the time is coming when when all of us from the chip suppliers to us as microphone and speaker suppliers and again the bluetooth standard all are driving the power lower and lower that pretty soon you'll be wearing or have the ability to wear a hearable device for 12 hours and 18 hours. Now, that coupled with what's happening in the voice space and according to the new Bluetooth standard, really opened a world of possibilities, which we're keeping a close eye on. Uh, one thing about the new Bluetooth standard is the ability to broadcast audio. This is another crossover with hearing aids because the hearing aids had a system called the telecoil system where you could broadcast oil, uh, broadcast audio. Uh, through a magnetic induction loop. It's actually the same system used for charging your phone wirelessly. So if you have a telecoil on your hearing aid, you go to a movie theater, you can have the audio broadcast to your hearing aids. Well, now you'll be able to do that with hearables. And now you can have location-specific voice experiences. For example, if you have a Bluetooth transmitter in a store, you can have a, a voice experience within the store broadcast to your hearable devices. And so our part in this is to help increase the battery life longer and longer so that people can wear them throughout their day. And then as voice experiences are being created and broadcast experiences are being created, uh, then we see more and more adoption of hearable devices in everyday use. Can I touch on
1: this?
0: Please, yeah. Okay, so I think this idea is like pretty profound because... There's so many different applications of uh, sharing audio. So, for example, like Andy mentioned, you could do it in mass settings. So, you could do a game, you know, like say you're at a football game and, you know, they all have wireless uh, Wi Fi now within a lot of the stadiums. The next progression would be that you could basically just stream the audio, whether it's like the in-game audio, or you could do even like broadcast audio um, directly to your AirPods, your hearing aids, whatever you have, so you basically would opt into this group channel. Another application would be if you're, um, you know, maybe you're a group of uh, hearing impaired individuals or, you know, some people have losses at the table, you could basically create um, using what will probably come from this are like uh, remote microphones will be all over the place. And you could have a remote microphone that you sit in the middle of the table and everybody sort of joins into that audio. And so if you're at a noisy restaurant, you basically would all be streaming uh, like a real isolated feed to everybody. So you can imagine like, those are a few different applications. You can imagine uh, teenagers who tend to be the ones that um, push the you know, envelope as to how these new applications are done. I think this is going to really set the stage for uh, a social element to really come into the audio, um, into the audio world as it becomes a really, you know, a cool thing to not only share music but be sharing the content that you're, um, you know, traditionally you would be streaming through video. Then it kind of progresses to being something where you're sharing audio amongst each other. Um, and i just think that this idea of uh, augmented ar so you could have you know you're walking through uh, a conference hall uh, and you know you basically would opt in to uh, allow for the stream to toggle between your device so you would basically walk and as i approach room four um, we have pre-recorded bluetooth uh, uh, messages for each of the sessions Um, describing what you would be walking into. So you can imagine that being applied to tours uh, or or games. Um, So again, all of this is being facilitated by improvements in the wireless technology that's sort of the underlying technology here that wasn't previously feasible. um, And now we're starting to see that underlying technology mature to the point to allow for really hearable-centric applications. That were previously not available.
1: So you're telling me that soon we'll be able to broadcast to all attendees in real time whenever we want to. Pretty much,
0: yeah. You would. I mean, everybody here within the, a pr- particular proximity, if you're you know close enough to that audio source, um, that's one of the big things with this is that it's uh, you know it allows for multiple users tied into one you know one audio stream. So whether it's three people sitting on a flight, and you're all streaming through your AirPods, one iPad, or if it's every person here at Project Voice um, that is tethered to the audio stream or the audio stream network, um, where you're, you know, based on where you are, your geolocation is the determining factor that's toggling you between different audio sources.
1: It's a very Borg-like, um, I got a question for you, we will open this up to, to audience Q&A. Um, so I just left a press briefing that we did with Mercedes and the question was raised um, and there was a discussion about why Mercedes decided to go with Nuance which is now Serence and Soundtown in the car (coughs) versus Amazon versus Google uh, versus Samsung or any number of Countless other options, and part of it was being able to control their own destiny in terms of the functionality of it, and part of it was um, concerns around data security and privacy and management of those responsibilities. What do you think we're going to see? And I'll let you both of you answer uh, whatever order you want to go in. But what do you what do you think we're going to see with hearables? Do you think that that um, we're going to see more sort of carve their own path um, in step away from Amazon and Google's ecosystems and Samsung, or do you think that we're gonna see embracing of it? What do you think we're gonna see?
2: Well, in hearable devices, we're a long way away from being able to you know, supply an independent voice assistant within the device, right? It, it has to be, other than basic functions, you can do volume up, volume down, you know, locally in the edge through the processor, but uh, voice assistant access is going to have to be through the cloud, and that means it's gonna be with the major players for the time being. Uh, Google in particular, uh, if you look at what they've been doing lately and the recent annou- announcements they've made, uh, Google really seems to be driving at creating a voice operating system. And that means you will be able to operate all apps on an Android phone by voice. You can see them going with their own first party apps. For example, I can, without touching my phone, I can ask for walking directions somewhere and I can get it. I can have text messages read to me and I can reply to them. And a few third-party apps have hooked into it already. For example, within my family, we use Facebook Messenger as the messaging service. And if a Facebook message comes in through these, I can ask for Google to read my messages and then reply to them. So it has to be cloud-based and a hearable device for now. You don't have the wherewithal to build the assistant inside the in-ear device.
0: Yeah, I think too, the, um, so there's a hearing aid out there right now, it's called the uh, Starkey Livio AI, and, and basically uh, they have a voice assistant, um, and to Andy's point, some of it is done locally uh, so some of the processing and and some of the questions can be fielded by the thrive assistant um, but for any general queries it actually goes and it sends it to the cloud and it's fielded by google assistant now the average user doesn't know that and i think that could kind of be the scenario here is that um, you have almost like this localized assistant that's a facade that plays the role of the intermediary, but more times than not, the bulk of the queries and the bulk of the processing is gonna be done up in the cloud by one of these more mass market assistants like a Google Assistant.
2: I'm gonna gonna add to that too, and that is with the localization capability that's built into the Bluetooth standard, uh, individual restaurants or stores or sports bars, they can create their own brand experience because you're not actually using a voice assistant if i walk into a clothing store and then i opt into their bluetooth channel where i can you know use voice as part of the shopping experience they will control that experience it doesn't have to be through an outside voice assistant they can have their own voice assistant like mercedes does in a car for the in-store shopping experience and then
0: going off of that you can imagine you know so we talk a lot about like Contextual aware assistance, right? Having like this layer of contextual understanding of the user. So you can imagine that where this all might start to take shape is to Andy's point, you walk in, you know, so you have your AirPods on or you have whatever kind of hearable that you have. You have them turned on to the setting to where you're opting in to stream their broadcast Bluetooth streams. So I'm walking through, um, say, a, a Whole Foods and you know, inside of there, um, it's also registered because I've set up some sort of linking to my uh, Alexa account. Um, It has the insight as to the different things that I have on my grocery list or the things that I'm going to be, that I've designated that I want to cook with uh, Food Network Kitchen or something like that. So I'm walking through and it's a personalized Bluetooth message for me based on, all of the information that it knows. So it's catering to, you know, the shopping list that I have pre-built. So it's recommending, you know, this particular brand is on sale This brand for this recipe that you've indicated to me that you want to cook in Food Network Kitchen. So like when we talk about this idea of contextual understanding, you can kind of get an idea of where that ultimately might go with hearables. And then in addition to all of this new sort of infrastructure that's being laid simultaneously.
1: Questions for these two gentlemen?
2: Thank you. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the advances happening um, with measuring biometric data via hearables and other wearables. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear what you guys have to say about Bluetooth, well, I know both of you have talked about how the, you know, the biometric really exciting and
0: it sounds like there's been some movement there recently too. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that. Um, I Yeah, so biometric data, I think is, there's gonna be a challenge with it because of how inherently um, private that data is and I think that's gonna be the biggest challenge to overcome uh, that a lot of the assistants will have. I think that might be a a reason why it's uh, too early to discount Apple's foray into this whole um, business because the curables and the Apple Watch, uh, I think in particular, really set them well up for this merging of biometric data and voice assistance. So just to give you some insight, most of the biometrics that you're recording on a uh, device, on a wearable device, is a PPG sensor. Traditionally, like Fitbits, for example, uh, when they first came to market, they were primarily operating off of the inertial sensors in there, the gyroscope, the accelerometer, things that could detect your um, your orientation and your movement, and that's how they were tracking things like number of steps. Um, But now as we get into the type of data that these PPG sensors can record, which are lasers, basically, they go, they use uh, machine learning and They record the amount of blood, uh, or the amount of light that comes back when it pulsates. So if you've got an Apple Watch, you might see the green light on the underside. That's the PPG monitor. Um, And basically what it's doing is it's working to capture that light, And, and so what's happening is they are recording the same amount of information that they've ever, you know, that they've always recorded, but what's changing is the machine learning algorithms that are layered on top of this are becoming increasingly more sophisticated and more accurate. And so what started as being able to accurately monitor and measure your heart rate is now getting into things like blood pressure because they've been able to verify that on a consistent basis they can accurately report, I think it's within about 8% of being able to detect things like hypertension. So as this type of sensor goes on, um, there's going to be more and more kinds of data that can be assessed and you think about how this ultimately might take shape you know, as it combines with the voice assistant. You could see a scenario down the line where your voice assistant is proactively notifying you of things that it's identifying in your data because you've essentially, over the course of time, you've uh, established a baseline, you've established a benchmark with your own longitudinal health data so that you can then see, okay, this is what my average heart rate looks like. And whenever there's a deviation from that, I can be alerted and you can kind of see how you can get deviations and baselines set for a whole wide array of things so that at a certain point, your voice is almost playing the role of a nurse where it's, identifying these things through the machine learning algorithms and it's saying, you're at risk of this, you're at risk of this, would you like me to uh, schedule you an appointment with your doctor? That kind of thing is really starting to take shape as, uh, again, a lot of the underlying and the
2: infrastructure is being built out around it. Yeah, you see some of this taking place in sport devices already. There's a couple of companies. Well, there are multiple companies who have heart rate sensors and sport hearables, and there's a couple who are now tying that to an AI training assistant. So if I go running, for example, it'll give me coaching instructions according to my heart rate. And you also see uh, health monitoring for people who are higher at risk in a more localized way, and I'll use the example of start the hearing aid again. They've already got fall detection built into the hearing aid, and so you can assign a couple of people to be notified if the hearing aid detects that a person has fallen and they're working towards building a heart rate sensor into the hearing aid as well. So you have continuous monitoring and it's all done on a localized basis. You're not necessarily streaming anything to your doctor or to the cloud. You don't have to worry about the privacy risk, but if it detects a strong anomaly in heart rate, it's going to alert the people that you designate it. It's another interesting application in a device that is worn mostly by people of advanced age.
1: We have time for one more question. Let's give these gentlemen a round of applause.
2: Okay. <laughs> you guys talked about the new Bluetooth standard. Um, do you guys know
1: how, uh, an approximation, when this will be kind of deployed really in the field with devices? Yeah.
2: It'll actually take years to roll out, because now that the standard is defined, uh, really the big break point will be when mobile phone companies start adopting it within their phones. Uh, some companies are already ready, because this standard's been being worked on for a couple of years. And so if there are people in the hearing aid world or else in the, in the hearable chip world who are prepared for this in advance. But it'll take a couple of years to be widely deployed in auditoriums like this one. This one may, for example, have a telecoil loop in it for, uh, for hearing aids, but it'll take a while before they start installing the Bluetooth transmitters, and especially it'll take a couple of mobile phone development cycles before it's incorporated into the phones. So I think you're looking at broad broad deployment probably in three to five year time frame.
1: Gentlemen, thank you very much. Let's get another round.